today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. Somebody ever done something wrong or bad to you, and you feel that you need to avenge yourself, you're going to be dealt a shorthand in your vengeance. It's much better to say, you know what, Lord, you be my avenger. God will do a much better job than you will, and you won't have to live your life in bitterness while you're waiting for the chance, okay? So if you release it to the Lord, let the Lord be your avenger, then you can come to those that have done wrong to you, and you can bless them rather than curse them. Let God deal with it. That's the only way that you and I are going to be able to bless our enemies is by letting God be the avenger. We say, you know what? I'm going to let God deal with this. Have you ever been wronged and you began to lose sleep over it? Maybe someone stole from you, or maybe someone said something against your character. Our selfish humanity will rise up in us, and we feel the need to right the wrong or to defend ourselves. Pastor David wants to remind us that vengeance belongs to the Lord. He will defend us better than anything that we can come up with on our own anyways. We may not see it in this lifetime, but we need to just step aside, let go, and let God. Well, let's join Pastor David in the book of Revelation chapter 19 with today's edition of The Open Word. We are getting kind of to the winding down end of the book of Revelation, and yet it's not really winding down, it's winding up. Some really exciting stuff that we see with the last time we were in Revelation uh, about how Babylon the Great had fallen, and the one who had seduced all the nations and all the kings and the people of the earth to follow after her, now fallen. The world had been deceived, been charmed. Some even say that they're literally drugged by the power and by the influence of Mystery Babylon. And as we looked a couple of weeks ago, there's a lot of different speculations about who Mystery Babylon is, and we won't go through that tonight, but I think it's more of the just the, the world system more than anything else. Because again, we see people from the very beginning that buy into the lie, from Adam and Eve on through, that just simply buy into the lie. So during her reign, during Mystery Babylon, the harlot of Babylon, during her reign, she had been responsible for the martyrdom of just literally countless saints, both really, if you look at the overall system, it's, it's in the Old Testament and in the New Or again, people have been destroyed. Their lives were absolutely destroyed. And then not only for the New Testament time, but now 2,000 years later, in chapter 18, verse 24, it tells us that in her was found the blood of prophets and saints and of all who were slain on the earth. And again, that's slain through a tremendous amount of things just because of the wickedness, that system, that that entity brought into the world. 
Rather you feel that the great harlot Babylon is, is a city like it's Babylon or it's Jerusalem or it's Rome or it's an empire like the revived Roman Empire, the uh, European Union or even uh, the Soviets which are now all broken up or a religious institution, whether it be uh, the Catholic Church as some thought for many years, Islam, LDS, whatever it might be. Whatever you might think, again, it is that that brings destruction, it brings death and And the power that she had is now gone from the scene because she's been destroyed. Remember the beast and those that went with the beast destroyed her. So we spoke just shortly about that the other day. There's many times people will fall from the truth believing a lie and believing that they can control the lie that I can live away from God, and yet I'm still in control of my life. But the fact is, is if God is not in control of your life, Satan is in control of your life, and he is a wicked taskmaster, and he will make you believe that everything is wonderful and running smoothly, but in the end, he will get his due from you if you allow him to. So, we look also in chapter 18, kind of a running start into 19. With chapter 18, verse 21, it says, thus with violence, the great city Babylon shall be thrown down and shall not be found anymore. The sound of harpists, musicians, flutists, trumpeteers shall not be heard in you anymore. No craftsman of any craft shall be found in you anymore. And the sound of a millstone shall not be heard in you any more. The light of a lamp shall not shine in you any more. The voice of a bridegroom and a bride shall not be heard in you any more. For your merchants were the great men of the earth. For by your sorcery, all nations were deceived. That's why I believe it's more of just the world's system of things, much more than one particular entity that we might find on the earth. I believe that in these days, Islam is going to play into that hugely. But you know what? Islam is being controlled by Satan. That's just the reality of it. The wickedness that is there, that is prevalent throughout all of it, because they are not controlled by Almighty God, by our Lord Jesus Christ, they are controlled by Satan. Now, you might come to me and say, hey, I know some Muslims who are good people. That's fine. But Islam is of Satan, just as anything that is not of God is of Satan. You can't divide that any other way, okay? So, That's just the way it is. And Babylon is fallen, and the ones that actually controlled Babylon, the beast, the false prophet, even Satan himself, they're the ones that are now going to be dealt with. But before that, there's going to be this great celebration in heaven. That's where we're at, chapter 19. Chapter 19, verse 1. After these things, John writes, after these things, after I saw Babylon fall, I heard a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and honor and power belong to the Lord our God. For true and righteous are his judgments, because he has judged the great harlot who corrupted the earth with her fornication, and he has avenged on her the blood of his servants shed by her. This is now the ending of the seven years of tribulation, okay? We've gone through all the turmoil, all the stress, all the attacks, all the death, the marking of the beast, all of these things to be able to buy or to sell. All of this has come into play. But the plan of God still isn't yet completed. There's yet a whole lot of things that need to be done. 
But there's a party going on in heaven right now, okay? There is a party. Again, in verse 3, it says, Again, they said, Hallelujah! Her smoke rises up forever and ever. And the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down, and they worshiped God who sat on the throne, saying, Amen and Hallelujah! Just the excitement because this world system has now been done away with. And they understand that God, through his promises and through his word, is going to complete all that he said that he was going to do. And they see these things going on. And this rejoicing, again, it was told them to rejoice back in chapter 18, verse 20. It says, rejoice over her, O heaven, and you holy apostles and prophets, for God has avenged you on her. And that's why they're rejoicing. God completed this vengeance. This is a sidebar. No extra charge for this. Somebody ever done something wrong or bad to you, and you feel that you need to avenge yourself, you're going to be dealt a shorthand in your vengeance. It's much better to say, you know what? Lord, you be my avenger. God will do a much better job than you will, and you won't have to live your life in bitterness while you're waiting for the chance, okay? So if you release it to the Lord, let the Lord be your avenger, then you can come to those that have done wrong to you, and you can bless them rather than curse them. Let God deal with it. That's the only way that you and I are going to be able to bless our enemies is by letting God be the avenger. We say, you know what? I'm going to let God deal with this. And believe me, he will and he does a much better job than any of us can. Okay, that was free. The rest of it, back on the ticket again. Okay. We don't know how long this rejoicing took place. We don't know how long this particular party is happening there in the heavens. But we do know that they have a whole lot of things that they're rejoicing over. They rejoice over the fact that God had avenged the righteous through the destruction of the wicked. They rejoice because they see that God continues to be on his throne while the world system is now destroyed and completed. God still reigns and rules. And the third thing they're rejoicing about that we'll look at in a moment, there's this great marriage supper of the Lamb that's about to happen. So that's why all of this rejoicing is going on. Listen to these next couple of verses in verse 5. It says, Then a voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God, all you servants, and those who fear him, both small and great. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, as the sound of many waters, as the sound of mighty thundering, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. We look at this and already here in this short portion of this passage, four different times that word Alleluia or Hallelujah comes. The word Hallelujah or hallelujah is Greek for the Hebrew word hallelujah, okay? So it just kind of transliterates that way. Our English word from the Greek is hallelujah, okay? What it means is praise God, praise God. Through the Greek, it means praise God. In the Hebrew, it means praise God, hallelujah. And they said, praise God for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. But they go on in verse 7, it says, let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory. Why? Because the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. And he said to me, Write, blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true sayings of God. A great time of praise and worship. 
I think it's like none that we can even begin to imagine. I don't care if you like country gospel or classics. I don't care if you like modern contemporary praise and worship or Gregorian chants. I don't care what kind of music you like. You ain't seen nothing yet, okay? The greatest of choirs, the greatest of groups together, the greatest of outpouring of the Holy Spirit in this earth cannot even be compared to what it's going to be up there. And you know what? You're all invited. You're all invited. And hopefully, you're all going to be there. That's my prayer as a pastor, that you're all going to be there because it is going to be a great, great celebration. What an awesome time that's going to be. John says that it was a voice of a great, great multitude, the sound of many waters, the sound of mighty thunderings. How powerful that has to be. You can't even bring anything even into scope here in this world as far as the might and the power and the majesty of that much praise and that much worship. And I'm going to give you something else. This will be another sidebar, no extra charge. Everybody's unhindered by their own ego and pride and self-consciousness. Okay. You remember when David brought the ark back from the Philistines? And it says he was out there and he was dancing and dancing. And he just had his ephod. And he's just dancing down the streets and just having a great time. Why? Because he really didn't care about anybody else. It was between him and the Lord. And he just got so wrapped up in that. And so he goes home and, man, he's got this great time we have with the Lord today, Michael. And she says, you like totally embarrassed yourself and me too. You know what? There's going to come a time. We won't embarrass ourselves. We won't embarrass anybody else. It's just going to be full-on worship. Maybe you don't raise your hands right now, but I guarantee you, you will be then. You will be then, okay? There's just no way about it. And everybody, I think, is going to have a perfect voice, perfect pitch at that point in time. So we'll all just blend together perfectly. Going to be a great time. You and I can worship and praise the Lord, even right now in troubled times, in times that for us right now can be overwhelmingly dark, uh, that our life may be literally falling apart. But do you know that we can still praise God because we know that God is still on the throne. If your praise and if your worship is only based on how well your life is doing, then you are worshiping your situation. You're not worshiping God. I got a great check today. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Whoa, I got a great bill in the mail. Man, oh, man, now what am I going to do? Do you worship your situation or do you worship God? You see, if God is true and he's on the throne and our trust is totally in him, then we can praise him even in those dark times. It's difficult, I know. Hey, I know, it's difficult. I understand that. But the fact is, is when we get our heart and our mind focused, when we realize, you know what? Like Job said, though he slay me, yet shall I praise him. Yet shall I praise him. That's a mind that says, you know what? This stuff, it just doesn't matter. My God is still on the throne. He reigns supreme over all of his creation. David told us in Psalm 96, He says, say among the nations, the Lord reigns. 
The world also is firmly established. It shall not be moved. He shall judge the peoples righteously. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea roar in all its fullness. Let the field be joyful and all that it's in it. Then all the trees of the woods will rejoice before the Lord. For he is coming. For he is coming to judge the earth. He shall judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with his truth. Beloved, that we can rejoice in. We need to be those people that when we come together, even in the heaviness of our heart, that we can still worship him. We can still enter into that praise. Why? Because we know he is still on his throne, because we know he is coming, and that he will be a judge of all unrighteousness, and he is a just and holy and righteous judge, and yet his mercy extends, yes, even to me. And that's something to praise him about. If David was able to write that, Even while his world was in the midst of all of these wars, his life was in the midst of all of these trials, how much more these words have to be true, not only for us today as we get closer, but particularly for that great day. The harlot has fallen. The harlot is done away with. And that's where we see four hallelujahs. The focus here, the focus of the worship, because of all that the wicked one had done, because So much of the suffering had happened in the world. It's now defeated. The word of God now has shown itself to be true and trustworthy. That God will do all that he says he'll do. The joy of eternity, not only for the heavenly beings, but for all of the faithful, all of the believers. Man, the joy of eternity now is coming before them. And here comes the bride. Here comes the bride, clothed in fine linen. She was waiting for her wedding date, and it's finally arrived. I don't know about you, but from what I understand, for brides, that gets to be a pretty exciting time. Well, it does for grooms too, but you know, for brides, look at that, the anticipation of it. And when we look here, can you imagine just the fullness of the joy that would have to be filling the air that day? Because again, that wedding supper is about to happen. All those that are there at that point in time, I believe that we'll be there. I believe that the church had been raptured early on that we're there, but we've been waiting for that time. We've been anticipating that time. And now others that are there, the wedding time has come. Think of the most beautiful of wedding ceremonies that you have ever seen or heard of. And you think of the anticipation, the fullness of the joy that just fills the air at that point in time. Think of the end of that ceremony as they pronounce, I now pronounce you man and wife. You may now kiss your bride. I now present to you Mr. and Mrs. And the groom takes his bride and they march down that aisle. The joy. I mean, just the full of joy, full of just anticipation with all of that. Let me ask you, do you anticipate this day? I mean, really and truly, do you anticipate that wedding day of the bride, of the lamb, that marriage supper of the lamb? What a day that shall be when my Jesus I shall see, when I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace, when he takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land. What a day, glorious day that will be. That's ours. That awaits us. Do we live in anticipation of that? 
Or is it just kind of like, well, yeah, it's out there. I think we need to be those that live in anticipation. Because, beloved, it's going to get darker before it gets brighter. Some might say, well, that's kind of a negative confession. No, that's a true confession, okay? It's a real confession, okay? John is excited about this. As a matter of fact, you might say he's a bit overwhelmed. And I think all of us would be if we were there. Look what happens in verse 10. In verse 10 it says, And I, speaking of John, I fell at his feet to worship him. And this is an angel. But he said to me, See that you do not do that. I am your fellow servant and of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. I feel that John was probably just absolutely overwhelmed at this point. And just the beauty, the majesty, just the spiritual power that was going on there at that point. John would have known that it wasn't right for him to worship an angel. I understand that. But I believe, again, that the magnitude of that situation just swept over him. And you know what? It's going to happen to him again in Revelation 22, just a couple of chapters from now. In verses 8 and 9, we read, Now I, John, saw and I heard these things. And when I heard and saw, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel who showed me these things. And he says to me, See that you don't do that. For I'm your fellow servant and of your brethren, the prophets, and of those who keep the words of this book. And he tells him again, no, worship God. It's not angels that we worship. It's not worship that we worship. It's God whom we worship. We can be overwhelmed at times, but make sure that your overwhelmingness is toward God, not just simply toward the emotion of a moment, okay? I think it's really interesting how quick The angels are here to correct John. They see the fulfillment of Lucifer's rebellion here. They see what's happening here. And because of his desire to be worshipped, they don't want anything to do with that. And so in both of these situations, he's, whoa, 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 not, no, 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 do not worship me. You worship God. You worship God. Don't even go there. The reminder also given to John that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. That's just pretty much a simple declaration that the overall purpose, the overall spirit of all prophecy is to bring attention to the promises and to the reality of Jesus himself from the very beginning all the way through. Some have even brought out that the very purpose we've seen, that the very purpose of the Holy Spirit is to bring people to a knowledge of Jesus. Jesus himself proclaimed in John chapter 16 that when he, the Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you the things to come. He will glorify me. In other words, Jesus is saying, even the Holy Spirit, he will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. So in reality, gang, it's all about Jesus. It is all about Jesus. And again, our focus in reality there. Eternity declares this. It's all focused on Christ, the one who's going to be crowned with glory, every knee bowing, every tongue confessing, for him as king of kings, as lord of lords. And that's what we see coming next. Suddenly the heavens are opened up, and John writes in verse 11, he says, and now I saw heaven opened. And behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. You 
realize, of course, that this is not baby Jesus, meek and mild at this point in time. Neither is this humble Jesus riding into Jerusalem on the young colt. No, not even that. No, this is victorious, reigning, ruling, warrior Jesus coming in on the scene. The letters to the churches found in Revelation 2 and 3 repeat the phrase, to the one who overcomes, followed with a promise centered in God's goodness to his people. What does overcoming look like for you today? Maybe it's just getting up in the morning, getting dressed, and going out into life. Maybe it's continuing to sing his praises even through a tough circumstance. Maybe overcoming today is holding on to that small hope that tomorrow can be a better day in your marriage. Take some time today to check out those promises, remembering to hold on to Jesus because he is our hope. We're so glad you tuned in today to The Open Word. We know that life is tough, but doing life in community can make even the hardest situation more bearable. With that in mind, here's Pastor David with an invitation for you. Hey, if you're in the Casa Grande area and you're looking for a church to attend, I'd love to have you join us here at Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande. We meet Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. At 6.30 p.m., we meet on Wednesday evenings and Saturday evenings. You can find directions and a little more about the church by visiting theopenword.com. Follow the links at the bottom of the page to Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande. I'm excited to have you be a part of our time of Bible study and fellowship. Our website, one more time, is theopenword.com. Information about the church is at the bottom of that page, the link for Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande. Thanks, Pastor David. With that, our time with you has come to an end. Pastor David still has much to share, though, so be sure to tune in again to continue walking verse by verse through Revelation. That's right here on The Open Word. Make-